Hello, welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions, episode number 22, Sacred Space. I am Catherine Bird, and I am here with Michelle Hawk. We are the Shaman Sisters, and we come to you every week to talk about spirituality, healing, shamanism, um, our lives and our paths, and what we see about the evolution of consciousness and the healing of people and planet. And today we're here to talk about sacred space, which is the, it's the perfect time to talk about sacred space because Michelle has just moved this weekend to a new sacred space. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't wait to hear more about your, your space and your, um, you know, experience of creating your sacred space there. Cause I know, I know how important that is to you and how, when you move, it's like, oh, quickly, quickly, we must create the <laughs> yeah. place. <laughs> it's absolutely, and I'll just, you know, clue you into my moving process a little bit. I, I have a lot of crystals, number one. So that was I, in looking at my stuff, right? So I have the truck full of my stuff. I did as much as possible beforehand to load all the boxes and stage everything, and when packing up my crystals, that was that is such an important part of me of holding my sacred space. We'll get into that a little bit later about what are different components of sacred space. For me, a lot of that has to do with having my beautiful stones. I live in a crystal cave. So as I packed them all up, which I absolutely had to do, I couldn't leave it to the last minute. I could feel them in the garage because that's where I was putting all my boxes and, and I, I have a lot of crystals and as I was hauling them and then unpacking them, uh, that's the only time I ever wish I had less, but every time I'm unpacking another one, I remind myself, okay, you love this. You're so happy to have this beautiful friend and ally in your life. And then of course, as soon as they're all unpacked, I'm delighted again and happy to have them and probably going to acquire more. But the, yeah, the unpacking process for me, having especially my crystals, my work items, my desk, my office setup, it's, you know, I do it kind of Mary Poppins style where I'll just show up and bam, 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 unpack and there I am. Rather than the gradual unpacking, I can't do that because I rely so heavily on having my foundation. For me, it's very important to have my space established, have my home established. Because I do such high vibration work, I'm out there in the world with a lot of people, a lot of animals doing my journey work, my astral travel work, doing my healing work. I need my foundation in place because it helps me be a better practitioner and it means that I can go that much farther out of my body if I have the really strong root to come back to yeah, that's such an important, um, that's such an important, you know, uh, just sentence there about, uh, about traveling, about, um, having a stable, uh, space that, uh, feels very safe and protected and held. And then when you can, that way you can actually have these experiences of, of astral traveling and coming back to home, homemade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not everyone works that way. Also, I think it's important to note some people do very well in the more 
nomadic style perhaps where they they don't need stuff i like i like my stuff i'm very taurus right in the way that cancer so i have to have very like into the home like every i have to have so much stuff with me all the time yeah but we can we can think about our our shaman sister maria Teresa chavez and her mm -hmm. like aquarian soul and i don't know how she does it but she does her uh healing work just traveling constantly and mm -hmm. sometimes having no home base at all really and it is it is always i i watch her on facebook and and when i when i see her check in with her and all of her travels i'm always just astonished at her ability to to do this kind of work just on the fly and on the road and i also know uh, that she puts a lot of, of energy into creating that sacred space wherever she goes, that she does keep, um, a, you know, a kit sort of of her sacred items that she's traveling with wherever she goes so that she's able to do her work because she's, she's a traveling sacred space. Yeah. Absolutely. So some people do really well with that. And speaking for myself in terms of traveling, I, I also, I love to travel. I've lived all over the world and I travel doing my work as well. The thing that enables me to do that is that the fact that I have such a strong home base to come back to. I think if I didn't have the home base, I, I know this about myself. I used to judge myself for it a little bit of like, why do I have so much stuff? Why do I have so many crystals? And yet it's, it is part of my fundamental makeup that my sacred space needs to look like a beautiful nest. Yeah. Other people's sacred spaces look differently and that's okay. So we'll speak a, about a little bit of that and kind of what that entails. What are some different facets of sacred space? How do they appear in the world and, and different examples? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, sacred space, what, what does that even mean? We're throwing that term around a lot. I feel like we should. Yeah. That. yeah. What does it mean? Yeah. You know, it's such a, it, it's such a, uh, it, there's so much there. So I, I think we can kind of unpack it a little bit mm -hmm. by a little bit. Um, but as we're talking about sacred space, I mean, you know, really it's a space that is sacred, right? Mm -hmm. So if we were just going to say, what's the most simple thing? It's a space that is sacred. So it is a container. It is um, a place. Uh, it's a, you know, it, this place where the sacred, the divine is accessing. So it's, it's sort of like, you know, a container and an access point for divine light and energies. And it's intentional, really. Um, the intention is the most important part. It doesn't really matter whether you have a, a little tiny crystal or a big giant crystal, um, right? It, it's, it's the intention. It's, mm -hmm. it's focus that you're bringing to the space, whatever it is, which right. Absolutely. I think, again, intention, we touch upon this regularly in many of our episodes. Intention is the most powerful tool. So you can have an empty room that is filled with intention and it is still a very deeply sacred space as opposed to a room that might be filled with beautiful things without any intention that may or may not necessarily be a sacred space. Right. So you yeah, see, that, yeah. like if you go to, sometimes you'll go to people's houses uh, or, you know, some kind of event or something, and maybe you go to someone's 
such beautiful home with all of their beautiful things. And maybe they have crystals and they have like gorgeous art and things like that there. But, you know, their decorator picked it all out. And it, it's just, it's sort of empty of mm -hmm. the energy that's being called in. And then you can also go to someone's very humble, little tiny home and when you walk in, you're just like, whoa, this is, this is amazing in here. It's so powerful. Yeah. And it feels so good. Something about that vibration, that intention really hits home with you and resonates so deeply. So it's, it's not dependent on the stuff. We're, you know, both you and I, I, the Venus and Taurus in me and the Cancer in you is like, loves the stuff, the crystals, the beautiful soft fabrics, the comfortable bed, the princess pillows, the drapey fabrics, whatever. But it is I'm not that. like animal parts everywhere. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Beautiful, <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Lovely, you know, ceremonial objects, but it is not the stuff that creates the sacred space. It is the intention that creates the sacred space and the physical items can help hold that vibration. Yes. Sacred space also, you know, you're speaking about an access point for the divine. I love how you put that. I think that's really appropriate. Sacred space can be everything from an electron, you know, think very micro, like a cell. Each cell in our bodies can be a sacred space, all the way zoomed out to the very macro of, well, the universe's sacred space, right? So thinking about, and actually to our viewers, I invite you, this is a meditation that I offer to my Reiki students or to my clients, as I feel called, to meditate, go inside cells in your body and view them, you know, kind of make yourself very small, go inside the cells and view it as a room and bring the same intention that you would to creating sacred space in a room into your individual cells and see how that feels. And then, you know, go, okay, within each organ in your body, okay, inside your heart, inside your lungs and create that intention of sacred space within the different organs of your body. And then in your body as a whole, and then in the room around you, then in the house, then or the office or wherever you are, and bring the sacred space from the very small, zooming out to encompass all that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is really that's a, such an amazing practice and meditation to do, especially as we're looking at healing work and and healing ourselves. Uh, especially for, you know, we have illnesses and, and, and stuff that's happening. This is, a, that's just such an important um, practice to have. And then we can start to see and feel into the parts of us that we don't feel are sacred as we kind of break it down and, um, you know, look at like, okay, can I, yeah. Can I really connect to the sacredness of my heart? Can I really connect to the sacredness of my sex? Can yeah. I connect to the sacredness of the parts of my body that I've seen as unlovable before? Yeah. Are my fat cells, are they still sacred? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So why do we need sacred space? Why is it so important? This is something that I actually teach sacred space as part of my Reiki one class and we go medium into it. We don't go full deep dive, but we do talk about it because it is a fundamental part of doing healing work in the world, being a light worker in the world, being an empath or a sensitive person in the world. It is absolutely essential to have sacred space. Why is that? Well, it's, 
it, you know, and I teach as, as part of the healers process course, which will be launching soon. Um, I, I teach an entire module on the sacred container mm-hmm. and going into how we are creating this sacred space to go into and out of healing work, whether we're working on ourselves or we're working on someone else, that it is when, when we are using that intentional focus, then we can call in the energies that we want to assist us and work with. So Mm -hmm. when we have access to specific energies that we're calling in, if we're working with angels and archangels, we're working with our guides, we're working with uh, healing spirits, we're working with the elements or the directions with animals, all of these different beings, we are invited, we're like inviting them to our house. We're inviting them into a space when we have a container that we've created and this is the home, okay, come over. Then we have, we they, like, they have a place to come to. It's yeah. not so amorphous. It's like, okay, here's the container that we're working in today. So please, my beings of light and love come to this space to do this work. And so it creates this, you know, boundaries place where the good stuff is coming in and we're not inviting any of the trickster darker stuff. We're just not inviting that into the space. It's a very safe and held container where we feel really protected and we feel like we can go into really deep uh, experiences of healing ourselves or going, like you said, into astral travel space or, um, you know, whatever our healing modality is that we're using that we can go deeply into that and there's like this, you know, bubble around us where we're feeling really held. Absolutely. The protection part is very important, even for those of our viewers who are not practitioners, uh, where you are still, you know, if you're watching this podcast, guaranteed you're some kind of empath, sensitive person, etc. And it's really important to hold that safe and sacred container because we feel, and you know, whether that container is in your home, in your office, in, uh, in your car, your car is sacred space, right? How many people driving out there do you think have road rage or have some kind of energy that they're just blasting out, right? We can create our sacred space in our car around us to help us be separate and safe and move safely through the world of people who are not paying attention. Yeah. Yes. Right. So even, yeah, again, even for the non-practitioners, this is still super essential. We're speaking about it in the context of, or Kat gave a really example, a beautiful example of using sacred space in the context of healing work and calling in, channeling energies. It can also be good for, you know, kind of your personal healing work. It creates a healing space, a healing vibration. Imagine, what do you think one of the most important sacred spaces is where you do your own personal healing? Your bed, your bedroom, wherever you sleep. That's when our deep, our deep healing occurs is when we're in sleep mode, in rest mode. So that's why it's so important that your bedroom is, um, you know, you have, your, if you work in your room, as I do, you, I close up my desk, I shut everything off, I separate out, you know, because the internet is a giant black hole of leaky energy, so I close it up. I, I have my beautiful salt lamps, you can see what to hold this safe and sacred space for me to go deep into rest mode and healing mode while I'm sleeping. 
Yeah, that's really important, Michelle. And yeah. even if you, um, you know, we're saying if you're not a healer, like a lot of people are working in offices with so many people around them, just all kinds of crazy energy in and out. Uh, maybe a cubicle. I remember uh, I was going in and doing some work, uh, instructional work at a state office building in Portland. And the woman who was in charge of sort of some of the like, it was like sort of like the HR kind of stuff and, and uh, you know, the experience for the employees. It was so adorable because she had a cubicle, right? As everybody had these cubicles, but her cubicle had like, uh, prayer flags and like colors and like sacred symbols and you know she had created even though it was just this office cubicle which oftentimes seems so plain she had really mm -hmm. created it as a sacred space so when you even just passed by you were like oh it feels so different in there yeah that's huge. That's super important. I have another example. One of my Reiki students told me uh, she works with um, the Fish and Wildlife Department. And so, you know, very sciencey and sort of clinical vibe at the office. And people love coming in to hang out in her office because she has done work to create sacred space in her office. They'll just be like, yeah, can I come sit in here? It feels really good in here. <laughs> people notice, even if they're not necessarily tuned in or they don't know why. It feels good to us to enter sacred space. Yeah, it's something that we vibrate with it. And, you know, the people who aren't in alignment with it don't vibrate with that. And then they won't come in your sacred space and that's okay. Or they'll come in because they really need it and then they'll receive healing and then they'll leave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we gave some good examples. And, of course, there are many more examples of why do we need sacred space. And... Uh, let's zoom out a little bit and speak societally, globally, about how can we, and why do we need sacred space kind of on the cultural level, and how can we help cultivate that there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that if we start looking at, if you look at tourism, <laughs> and like, where do people go? Mm -hmm. You know, people are magnetically drawn to sacred spaces there if you go to any church temple uh you know different pyramid in the different countries these places where people were intentionally creating sacred space they were using a specific geometry and algorithms to line line up things to the stars um, using a geometry to create certain ratios which were in harm harmoniously to uh, you know divine light like we can't stop ourselves we see a, a church and we're just like oh I just want to go I just want to go be in there I just want to sit in there for mm -hmm. for whatever reason even if we're not a part of that religion or we don't hold those particular views we love to be in that space. And when we do that, we actually, we feel more at peace. We feel better because there was so much intentionality brought into the construction and the creation of the, of the space, the beauty and the, the way that it was, it was put on the earth in a particular place, on a particular place, which 
you know, often our ancient churches were built on top of ancient churches, which were built on top of ancient churches because it's a specific place where these energies are so profound and mm -hmm. we created sacred space built upon the energy that was already there. Yeah, along the ley lines and the meridians. That's an important component of, you know, you giving some examples and much of what we've talked about thus far has been man-made examples of sacred space. There are natural sacred spaces, of course, as well. So working with the, the flow of energy on the planet Earth or within the planet Earth, the meridians, the ley lines, forests are sacred spaces. Have, they, have you ever walked into a forest and just felt like you were in a temple? because it is this very beautiful natural sacred space waterfalls for example i find very sacred just the it's like a portal experience of standing near a waterfall and receiving all those beautiful negative ions and that is a healing experience the ocean many people find deeply sacred you know water is life our sacred water so they do intersect though you're speaking about building churches and temples in these sacred earth spaces or in alignment with celestial energies and i think it's really interesting also i like giving this example of las vegas right so you can intentionally create disharmonious space so they have i've never actually been to las vegas but i've heard about this uh, they have the the pyramids right and in, in Trip. They are built intentionally out of alignment from each other, like shifted out of alignment from how they should be. If they were, you know, so the real pyramids are truly in alignment with the celestial energies. The Las Vegas pyramids, they built on purpose to be out of alignment. Why? Because when people are out of alignment, they're, you know, more likely to become intoxicated, more likely to spend a lot of money, more likely to lose a lot of money, right? So there is money to be made in creating disharmony. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And right. I think that we see that everywhere. We see a lot of societal intentional disharmony to disrupt mm -hmm. us so that we are not focused on the divine. We're not focused on um, you know, the good parts of ourselves were focused on, on looking at negative aspects of self. And, and we can see that in, in our current, you know, constructions and the way things are built and in very kind of just haphazard sort of a, of a way with not really any intentionality going into creation of, of homes and buildings yeah. and places where people spend all of their time. There's no intentional, um, thought around currents of energy and the way things mm -hmm. things uh, things should be built. And then when you walk into somebody's home that has been built that way, you're just like, oh, it's so different. Right. Or, you know, I would even go so far as to say there is a lack of intentionality, but also in certain cases, as with Las Vegas, there is deliberate intentionality to disrupt the flow of energy. Right. So, and I think in, in our offices that there's a lot of that, that it actually is intentionally created to keep you in a certain mindset. Yeah. And, or like you walk into a restaurant, like, I don't know, I feel like there are a lot of fast food restaurants have this where they're all red. Everything is red because it puts you on edge, makes you eat faster. So you leave so they can have a faster t turnover rate of customers rather than doing what is actually really good for your body and taking your time, eating slowly enjoying the company around you, processing your meal makes them less money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. There's so many examples of this and so many, you know, I mean, 
I, I will just briefly touch upon it because it feels exciting to me to talk about, but um, all of the ways that, uh, that society is conspiring to throw people out of energetic alignment. The healthcare industry or the sick industry, you know, makes money off of people not being well, right? So we live in a society where people are geared to take their medications and eat poorly and not sleep well, but that goes even farther. It goes into the energetic realms too. So if you think about it, we're living in a society that is deliberately structured to throw our bodies out of alignment so we stay sick. So it is vital to create sacred space, do that meditation, dive inside your cells, create the sacred space within you so that you carry it with you wherever you go, and then create your sacred spaces externally so you are surrounded and held in that protective, healing, nurturing, deep, rich energy. That's something that we have to do for ourselves because nobody around us is going to do it for us. Yeah. And we get to and have to, you know, sounds like an obligation. It's something we get to do for ourselves to create what vibrates best with our state of being. It helps us get to know ourselves better and create intimacy with the way that we move through the world, which is lovely. Yes. And, you know, I was at the hospital last week. <laughs> <laughs> and it is such a it's such a shocking experience on so many levels of of being it is just ridiculous just how you know the situation that we would place people in to expect them to get well is is just it's mind blowing yeah. um and the people who are working there and they're you know like you can hear they're talking super loud and they're like you know talking about coffee and donuts and cookies and like they're just like they're taking in so much sugar and caffeine just to like keep going and ah and it's just uh it's 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 a fascinating thing and for people who are having to be inside of that medical experience maybe you have a, um, you know, a parent or a grandparent, someone um, close to you who is having to go through a medical experience because sometimes it's, you just have to go. Mm -hmm. And how, how can you then show up to help to create a more sacred space um, for, for your loved one? Um, or for yourself, if you're having to go through a medical experience, to start to have more consciousness. Like if you know that you need to go and be in the hospital, having consciousness around the things that you're bringing, because of the way that um, the way that the system is is not in support of this concept of sacred space. Yeah. And even again, we're speaking about the physical and the energetic components of a sacred space. I know in hospitals there are certain aspects certain parts of the hospital you're not allowed to have a lot of stuff with you like you can't have plants or flowers or uh, or anything living right or anything nurturing just because it's a sterile environment but sterile means dead really um, which is terrible but you can still with your intention hold that sacred space for yourself imagine you're in the room and okay okay I'm sending all this light out to every single corner of the room I'm filling the room with light I'm calling in my guides my angels my teachers and you can still create the sacred space energetically even if you don't have the physical components to back it up yeah and this is really important because the hospitals are, are messy places there's lots of there's lots of of uh not so happy energies running around the hospital 
and yeah. uh, people are weakened in the in the hospital. So if if you can can help you know your loved ones or yourself by just doing these meditations, if you have to be in that space, it's it's really um, really helpful and vital. Yeah. Sneak in crystals, little tiny ones. <laughs> yeah. Good. So let's speak about some components of what are some of these wonderful physical items that we can have to support our sacred space. Uh, so speaking of crystals, Kat, I remember you told me years ago or a couple of years ago, we were speaking about having crystals in your bedroom, right? And I, I, what exactly did you say? You said, I heard something about it wasn't good to have so many crystals in your bedroom because it means you can't sleep. Well, I have had, you know, um, I had someone who, who said that they had to like cover everything. Like yeah. they were just having to like put covers on everything because they had gotten to this place where they were at that moment really sensitive to the frequencies and the messages and the things that were coming out of the crystals. Yeah. And so I actually went through a practice because um, I have crystals everywhere. So I... I actually have less crystals in my bedroom than I do mm -hmm. in my, in my living space. More, yeah. more of my crystals are in there. Um, and when I used to have everything in the bedroom, I would kind of cover them up sometimes because I did find that sometimes the energy was just really strong. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm the opposite. I have all the things in my room with me. It's yeah, I live in a crystal cave. At Michelle's house and there's giant crystals in her bed. Like Yep. <laughs> yeah, in my bed. I sleep with a, this giant quartz point, like yay big, wrapped in a towel in my bed with me. And I wrap it in a towel because I already ripped one set of sheets, just having it loose in bed. So and it's a little pokey. Um, but yeah, so it is possible if you're like me and you like being surrounded by all those vibes, then, and you have agreements with your crystals. So this is the other thing. I had a, um, it was an apophyllite cluster that I got a year, a couple years ago, actually, where the first night I brought it home, I had it in my room with me and it kept me up all night talking. So it was one of those stones, like you were talking about, where it was chatty, chatty, chatty all night long. So in the morning, I said to it, I said, look, if you want to be here in, in my room with me, it is your job to help me sleep well. So for the next two nights, I had the most amazing crystal dreams in my sleep, like deep dive astral travel dreams. I slept so well. And I was visiting these crystal temples all night in my dreams because this apophyllite took its job seriously. And it was like, okay, I want to be here. And so it helped me sleep really well. So to those of you who are sensitive and maybe feel like your crystals aren't helping you sleep, try giving them a job and asking them very specifically, help me sleep, help me have good dreams, and thank you for holding this sacred container. I mean, otherwise there's no way I would get away with like the giant, giant, like seriously huge quartz I have in my room. No way. But it's got a job. Yeah, that's really important. And as we, we set up our sacred space, to um, be doing it intentionally and to be creating, uh, to be creating it in a way that is going to serve our life and our work. Mm -hmm. um, I have a client who uh, recently um, moved into a new space which had people on the other side of the wall. And, you know, for people like us, that's can be challenging because there's their energies is over there. And it's like, oh, gosh, am I? And especially when we're sleeping, like there, there's a lot of stuff. So um, 
we actually had her put little shelves and to grid the wall and to use like shungite and obsidian mm -hmm. and some of these like protective dark stones and to have that as the intention that we're putting you up there to shield me from any of the energies that are coming from the other side of the wall. And as soon as she did that, it was like, oh, I'm sleeping so much better. I, like, I don't not feeling anything from over there. It's just like, I have this amazing grid that I can feel all the time. And yeah. so we're, especially if you're living in a, in a situation, maybe you live in an apartment or you live in a home with someone with other people just mm -hmm. to look at like, okay, well, how would I shield this, this wall? If, if there are, if there's energies over there that I'm not interested in being a part of. Yeah. The gridding and sacred geometry is an important component of that. And I've seen people do different examples of this where they'll paint a mural on the wall with you know, a beautiful sacred geometry symbol like a Merkaba or a flower of life or something, they'll paint it on the wall or they'll paint sacred symbols. Um, this is one of my favorite things to do. If you're repainting, paint sacred symbols on the wall and then paint over it. So they're always there in the paint. Right. Or even to have like crushed crystals and put them in the paint. Yeah. Um, and to, to start to, to look at like if you have you know, if you have your electrical meter or your refrigerator on the other side of the wall and you want to protect yourself from the, uh, from the frequencies, like starting to look at, oh, okay, I can actually use some of my, my sacred uh, crystals and objects to start to protect me from stuff that maybe I don't want coming into my sleeping space. Yeah. Also, in general, surrounding yourself with natural materials is going to have a different and much higher vibration than synthetic materials. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind, you know, what kind of sheets are you sleeping on? Are you sleeping at like my organic cotton? Or, you know, you can do silk sheets or other natural fiber sheets. Uh, what is your furniture made out of? Is it plastic? Is it metal? Is it wood? That changes the vibration of the space that you're in. The, uh, the paint that you use, are you using paint that's off-gassing or are you using no VOC paint? These are all components to consider when creating your sacred space, everything with intention. What colors are you painting? What textures are you surrounding yourself with? Hard materials that might energetically feel a little bit bouncy or uncomfortable? Are you surrounding yourself with softness? Do you have a nice balance? What's your lighting like? Everything, absolutely everything is a component of how we are crafting with very specific intention, a nurturing, gentle environment for whatever space you're in. And when we talk about lighting, you know, we have a lot of options for lighting. And I know that the, um, you know, the compact fluorescent bulbs, there's lots of studies about how they're actually not good for you. The, the mm -hmm. paint chips off the inside and then we, you start getting these, these certain, um, you know, frequencies that, of rays that really aren't very healthy for you. Don't they um, have mercury in them as well? They do have mercury in them. So they're really hard to dispose of. There's a, a lot of, of, of reasons not to use them now. So, uh, you know, for me, like, I'm like, I use all incandescent bulbs. I'm like old school. It just feels, it feels nicer to me. And then mostly I use lots of candles. Like I am a super huge candle person and, um, you know, I, most of my lighting in the evening is through candles or really dim lights and salt lamps. Um, because it, that is, that creates that sacred space for me. 
and it it calms my system especially in the evening and honestly like a candle of light like that one focus of light of um you know this flame that creates a sacred space like just lighting that candle and having that intention be that by this candle i am creating sacred space uh, is huge and so even if you're going in to teach a class someplace and you're like okay this is a little bit crazy you know i'll i'll go in and bring candles and put them around and create that circle or that square inside of a space so that it's you know i'm starting to define what is there so mm-hmm. i think that candles are really important as as sacred space creators yeah altars in general also so and there are many different types of altars you can make an altar can be as simple as you know a single candle can be an altar or one single stone placed with intention or it can be you go in like you know any of the biggest most beautiful elaborate cathedrals and they have these giant altars covered in beautiful ornate gold filigree Mm -hmm. an altar can be anything in between but please don't let a lack of experience or materials stop you from creating that again single stone placed with intention Right, because the altar is a sacred space. Yep. Like it is its own sacred container. And it is it is drawing frequency and energy into the larger space that it's in. And so we can create uh, an altar that is sort of like our primary altar and you know we can change it up or whatever i am i'm often like okay how can we you know i'm putting putting things in little rows and little ocd about stuff sometimes but yeah, that's your jam is creating beautiful altar space though like you have the most magnificent altars because you put in the intention and the attention to put everything exactly in harmony with each other so but one of the things that i recommend for my clients is that if you are working with a specific energy or frequency, either to incorporate into your primary altar or to build a separate altar in your space that is devoted to that energy. So if you are working with a particular archangel or a, you know, a particular deity at all, whatever it is, an energy that you're drawing in, an animal that you're, that you're drawing into your field, and you're going to be working with that and asking it for, for it to help you in your healing work or in your life to, to build a separate altar or separate little space that's devoted to that being using the colors that are associated with it and uh, different crystals and, and uh, iconography and imagery and, and things that just when you see it, you're like, oh, that belongs, that belongs with you. And it, it is that intentional focus that starts to draw that frequency toward you. And then yeah. you have the space for contemplation and reflection and connection to whatever those energies are that you're calling in. Absolutely. You can write a prayer also or you know write some specific invocation intentions and have that on your altar as well so there are many ways to create the sacred space uh let's chat briefly about casting a circle you know where we're holding a container for the sacred work i know um i have kind of my way of doing it you have your way of doing it and of course there are many 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 other ways take us through your process kat well you know i um, you know, especially when I work with, um, 
you know, t- talking about like group work, when we, when we do group work, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for like a round space or a square space. Yeah. You know? So like, I'm like, oh gosh, we found a square room. Yay. <laughs> uh, or, you know, using like a yurt, a round space when the geometry is, is already contained. That just makes me super happy. It's like, oh, okay. I've already, part of the work has already been done for me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always happy to find that. And then if maybe that's not possible or within that space, starting to grid out the, the space, the room in, you know, the container that I'm, that I'm going to be holding. And so that it is, it's very clear. There's a clear definition. This is outside the container and this is inside the container and this is where we're working. And so then we can start to, you know, define and to call in the directions coming from each direction, calling in the energies that are coming from that, that, uh, that place, calling in what's coming in from above, connecting to what is below and connecting to self in the center and starting to create this you know, right, we're creating a portal, we're creating a portal for energy for the work to happen. And in all mystical traditions, they talk about casting a circle and creating the space for the work to happen. Otherwise, there's just too much. There's just, it's, there's everything, there's everything is out there. And so when we create definition, now we have a place to actually do the work. Yeah to you know use use sound to use invocations to call in specific energies and beings and frequencies and you know also it's very important to close it down at the end and to shut down the container that now the work is complete and to thank all of the beings that have come in to assist and the energies that have come in to assist and to release them from the work that's been happening and uh to to close that down i know that i've had i've had in the past i remember having a transformance and like not doing this i do this thing where like i walk in the circle the opposite direction three times and i didn't do the thing and i remember getting up in the middle of the night and having to go outside and i'm like walking in a circle and banging a drum and like being like doing all this weird stuff because it it wasn't, it wasn't fully closed. And I, you know, got the message. It was like, okay, wait, there's some, still some stuff that's open and there's still some portaling that's happening. And now it needs to be closed in a more complete way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think our, hmm, I don't really know exactly how to differentiate here in some of the components that I used in casting my space uh, because much of what I do is similar, but it comes through in a different way. So I'll use Reiki to establish my space, and which is one way of establishing an energetic container. I'll cleanse and clear the space and fill and seal the space with Reiki energies, calling in the guides and teachers to hold the sacred space, hold the container. And then from based on moving forward from there, it really depends on what kind of work am I doing? Am I teaching a class? Am I doing a session? Am I working with an animal? Am I working with a human? Uh, is it a distance session? Because those all have a role to play in me deciding how specifically, like what is the flavor of energy for holding the container? Um, 
you know, I'm doing a class for space. So I don't do it all beforehand. I mean, I'll do most of it and, you know, I'll hold the clear container for them to then come and add their energy and make it even better. So that's a little bit different as opposed to if I'm doing deep dive work with somebody into some really deep trauma stuff, I'm going to hold the container differently and call in maybe some different beings and, and set up in a different way. So that all depends as well. But yes, calling in the directions, um, using specific items, again, to create a grid, create sacred geometry to create the sacred space, um, using sound to continue to clear the space. That's one thing I really like to do as I'm preparing to work is I'll put on uh, solfeggio tuners or chakra healing music and just let the sound clear the space while I'm doing other stuff. And then I'll come in and do the fine tuning work. But sound vibration does a really beautiful job of clearing space very quickly and very easily. Right. And also when we're talking about clearing, you know, smudging, um, using, uh, you know, sage or Palo Santo or sweetgrass or, you know, whatever it is that you, you love to use or using sprays if you can't set things on fire in your space, um, you know, using, um, you know, these, these, uh, these sacred plants um, to be able to help us to clear the space is also really helpful. And um, yeah. that's been super fast and super easy. And so sometimes it's like this big elaborate thing and it's all the, all of the things and stuff. And sometimes it's just very, it's very simple. And it's using that um, intuitive uh, hit around what it is that you're working on, what it is that you're, you know, needing to, to call in, <clears throat> you know, where you're at personally, where, where the, the person or people are that you're working with, you know, and even, um, you know, I'm just getting kind of this, this hit to talk about like, you know, creating this sacred space, like if, if you are a parent and you have a child and, you know, children often, they're very sensitive to energies, they're very sensitive to beings that are coming in and all kinds of stuff. And often children have, you know, issues with sleeping because that actually they're, they're so sensitive to energies. And so then starting to help to train train yourself so you can help to train them on creating their own sacred space so that they can sleep well and, you know, utilizing sprays and, and mists and stuff to clear the space and to give them this empowerment that, uh, that we have, we have the right to declare that we are safe and we are held in our home, in our room, in our sacred split, in our sacred space, and that we are not allowing anything that is negative to come into this space, and that we are only calling in light and love. And as we do that, we can start to, uh, you know, empower, empower ourselves, and to empower our the next generation into, um, you know, really holding a sacred space on a continual basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really important. I'm glad you brought that up. And creating the sacred space, you know, for children, but also for others in our families or others in our, uh, our offices or wherever who might not have that same awareness too. That's, um, 
yeah, having lived in a, a variety of different homes with different degrees of awareness, the place where I'm living now, I have housemates who are also sensitive and empathic. And so there's a great degree of, uh, of awareness in how are we living together harmoniously and creating spaces that are beautiful and comfortable. And yet I would say also my degree of sensitivity is probably even more deep and acute than the rest of my housemates. And, um, and so then there's a level of consciousness that I'm holding for myself of, okay, yes, we are collectively holding a container together. And maybe you have some of these agreements with your families or other uh, office mates of, okay, everybody's, you know, getting along harmoniously, but then ev it's even more than that. It's a sacred space requires some really significant attention to what is the specific frequency that I am choosing to call into my immediate surroundings or into my body. So that's what I'd like to leave you with today is how can we be even more impeccable in how we are moving through the world, how we are living in the world and creating sacred space within ourselves and then everywhere we go. One thing I like to offer as a suggestion to students and clients, um, especially my Reiki students, is I tell them before you get out of bed in the morning, put Reiki on the bottoms of your feet. So every step that you take is you are offering that sacred energy to the ground that you walk on and you are spreading sacred space with you as you move out into the world and every step you take is on sacred ground. Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, you're welcome. Yay. Mm -hmm. um, so anything, I think that was a beautiful place to, to wrap up our episode. Yeah. Anything else that you want to mention? Yeah, I think so. I want to feel called to reach out to us. This is something that we both really enjoy and take a lot of personal uh, personal and professional joy from is creating sacred space. You know, Kat makes her beautiful altars and, uh, and I do a lot of work with helping people create sacred space, um, doing house clearings or whatever the deal is or altar setup. It's a it's a lot of fun for us personally, but also an essential component of creating a professional practice. So for those of you who are interested in receiving some support around what does it mean to create sacred space in your home, in your office, in your treatment room, please do reach out to us and we are available to consult on that and support you in creating sacred space for yourselves. And you can reach us at shamansistersessions at gmail.com or on our Facebook page, uh, Shaman Sisters Sessions, and send us a Facebook message. And we are available to, you know, chat about anything that's going on. You have anything coming up, Michelle, that you're that you're working on and, and promoting right now? Or yes, I I, I have a few things. If you're located in Portland. I am teaching two events this weekend. All day Saturday is my sensory intuition class. It's a day-long immersion of cultivating your intuition. Oh gosh, it's so fun. It's basically playing all day and being psychic all day and helping people be more psychic. It's so fun. Uh, sensory intuition all day Saturday, which is the 22nd, I believe. And then on Sunday, 
which I believe is the 23rd. The uh, starting at two, so two to five is self-care for empaths. Ooh, so good. Yeah, very good. It's part workshop, part group, channeled group healing. So you get to come learn some tools for the self-care and then also receive healing from me and my mother with whom I teach my classes where we'll be doing a group healing exercise and everybody gets some healing work from two masters. So that's this weekend. Also, uh, our special guest from last week, Deshna Ubeda, I am speaking at the event that she is facilitating coming up May 4th through 6th, Embrace Festival, and she graciously offered a discount code to all of our viewers. So if you go on embracefestival.com to buy your ticket, the discount code is inner divine to receive 20% off or 25% off. Yeah. So good, Michelle. Thanks. How about you? Anything coming up? Healer's process. Healer's process. I'm about to launch. I've been working on my sales page and just getting all the details in order. Um, so the healer's process is going to start in May sometime in May, toward the end of May mm -hmm. and uh, run through June and we're or. I don't know when it is. It's June, July. We're, we're going to do an, uh, a retreat here in July. Mm -hmm. And um, this is my core foundational course. And I'm building it out and offering more coaching throughout. And it's going to be uh, and making it more weeks. And it's going to be incredible. So be on the lookout for that. And if you're super interested, just shoot me a, a message. And I'll put you on the, on the list to uh, receive more information about it. And that one, do you have to be, because I, I took your first round of healers process, not in the same location. Is it different now or can it still be online? Yeah, it's all, it's all going to be online, except for we're going to do a live retreat here. Cool. Okay. And having experienced healers practices and I highly recommend it. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Right. That's it. We're done. Thank you viewers. Uh, thank you for joining us. And again, please feel free to reach out. We love to hear from you. Send us any thoughts on what would you like to hear us talk about next? Absolutely. Yep. We do have, I, I believe next, yeah, next week we, let me make sure it's in my calendar. Uh, yes, next week we have a special guest, my dear friend, Jennifer Elise, who is a visionary photographer, visionary entrepreneur, leader, woman of many, many talents, who is hosting and facilitating an event that I am speaking at as well in May called Empowered. It's a day-long immersive retreat for women's empowerment and being fully expressed as our highest selves for who we are as women, empowered, empathy, power, education. So please join us next week with special guest Jennifer Lease. Yay, thanks for Yeah, you're welcome. I'll uh, see you soon. Okay, bye.